We've just published the book, The Adventures of Lola Badiola. It's the perfect complement for this podcast. It includes complete transcripts, explanations, and quizzes. So buy it now on Amazon. Hello and welcome back to The Adventures of Lola Badiola. In the last class, we heard the shocking news that Kim was planning to defect from North Korea to the West. In this episode, we are going to hear the details of this plan. So, without any further delay, let's get back to the story. The Adventures of Lola Badiola, Chapter 24 The Secret Plan Did you hear me, Park? I said that I was defecting, repeated Kim. Please tell me this is one of your twisted jokes, replied Park. Kim shook his head slowly. In exactly thirty days I will start my journey to the west. I will leave Pyongyang at midnight on the 10th of February to meet the old grey man at Banshori Station. He will take me 600 kilometers north to the Yalu River on the Chinese border via the Dead Man's Highway. The next day I will cross the river on foot. At this time of year the water is frozen and the ice is thick enough to walk on. Most importantly, it's too cold for the guards to patrol the border at night. Waiting for me on the other side will be an agent who works for institutions such as Interpol, Europol and the CIA. This agent will guide me through the security barriers on the Chinese side of the border. Together we will travel to Pektu Mountain in the Jilin province of China. The mountain is a tourist attraction famous for its spectacular volcanic lake. Here we will meet an international film crew making a documentary about the endangered wildlife around the lake. I will become part of that film crew with a new name, a new identity and a new passport. I will learn these details by heart before we travel to Changchun International Airport for the final escape. At 10.45am on 18th February, I will be on a China Airlines flight heading to the west at a thousand kilometres per hour. Park was speechless. He knew his best friend well enough to realise that this was no joke. All the colour drained from his face and he stared in disbelief. You might ask me why I am telling you all this now. Let me explain. Kim was speaking urgently and unemotionally. He knew he had a limited amount of time to safely transmit his message. He simply stated the facts. If I am successful in my defection, three generations of my family, including my 75-year-old grandmother, will be forced into hard labour. They will spend the rest of their miserable lives in prison eating maggots from their tortured bodies. I can't let that happen. Therefore, I need to defect without defecting. So, on the 10th of February, I will commit suicide. I will throw myself off the Taedong Bridge like so many of our hopeless comrades have done in the past. In order to make my suicide convincing, I need to change my behaviour. I need to turn myself into a different person, depressed, paranoid and unstable. Over the next thirty days you will witness this transformation. You will see your best friend degenerate from an outgoing and radiant optimist to an introverted and desperate pessimist. And... When the Secret Service eventually questions you about my suicide, you will convince them that it was real. 
That is why I am telling you this now. Park remained speechless, his head spinning. This information was toxic. It put his own life in danger. He needed to decide very quickly how to react. He could accept Kim's plan and become an accomplice to a crime against the state. He could tip off the authorities and sentence Kim to a lifetime in prison. Or he could try to persuade his best friend to desist from this madness. He chose the third option. Kim, this is lunacy. The West is dangerous, corrupt, capitalist and full of Westerners. You have a good life in Pyongyang, a position of status in society. You may soon be promoted to grade C employee. In the name of Kim Jong-un, don't do it. The bus started to fill up with government employees on their way to work. Some of them were talking, some of them were smiling, but most of them were in their own little worlds, oblivious to the treasonous conversation that Kim and Park were having. The bus changed gear and the engine roared. Kim leaned forward so that his mouth was almost touching Park's ear, and with a voice full of emotion and determination he said, Both you and I know what the outside world is really like. If we had been born in the West, we would have started our own IT company. We would have bought ourselves a car or maybe two. We would have become somebody. That's the life that I want. That's the life that I deserve. And that's the life that I am going to get, no matter what. Wow, what a plan Kim has. Pretending to commit suicide before escaping from Pyongyang to the Chinese border via the Dead Man's Highway, then crossing the Yalu River into China with the help of a secret agent, then joining a film crew at Piktu Mountain before finally flying off to the west. Wow, what an adventure. So, is his elaborate and dangerous plan going to work? And how is Park going to react to this news? Well, we're going to find those things out in a future episode. But right now, let's go back to the following passage and analyse some of this vocabulary. Waiting for me on the other side will be an agent who works for institutions such as Interpol, Europol and the CIA. What exactly is Interpol? Now you've probably heard the name on TV series and in movies. But what exactly is the institution called Interpol? Well, it happens to be the second largest supranational organization after the United Nations. Its headquarters are in Lyon, in France, and it has over 195 member countries. And basically what it does is it helps national police forces work together by sharing access to data on crimes and criminals, helping to make the world a safer place. Now, there are three areas of global crime that are Interpol's priorities. Firstly, 
terrorism, secondly, organized crime, and thirdly, as you might have guessed from our story, international cybercrime. Now, Europol is the European Union's law enforcement agency, and it has similar priorities and systems to Interpol, but it's focused within the European Union. And these two institutions, Interpol and Europol, they work very closely together. For example, they host an annual joint cybercrime conference. Okay, next we have the CIA. Okay, make sure that you're pronouncing those individual letters clearly and correctly. The CIA. We also have the FBI. And these are two more law enforcement agencies. This time they are based in the United States. And each agency has a specific area of focus. Okay, so your first question. What does CIA stand for? What do each of those letters mean? Well, it is the Central Intelligence Agency. What does it do? Well, it gathers information internationally which is relevant to American security. So, for example, if terrorists are planning an attack on the American government from outside the United States, then the investigation would be handled by the CIA. It focuses on international threats to the United States. And the CIA is the subject of an excellent television series called Homeland. If you want to improve your English listening skills and be thoroughly entertained, then I highly recommend it. It has an 8.3 out of 10 rating on IMDb, so it's definitely worth watching. Okay, we know what the CIA is and basically what it does, but what about the FBI? Once again, be careful with those letters, FBI. What does each letter mean? Well, FBI stands for the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And in contrast to the CIA, it is, it is a domestic law enforcement agency. So the FBI assists local police or state police in handling major cases or murder cases or crimes which cross state boundaries. For example, kidnappings from one state to another. That would fall under the FBI's jurisdiction. Now, the FBI plays an important role in one of the greatest thriller films ever made. The Silence of the Lambs. You might have seen it in the movies back in the 1990s. Very famous film with Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. It has an 8.6 IMDb rating, so it's definitely worth watching again in English without subtitles. Now, you might be asking yourself, what is this IMDb score that he's talking about? Well, IMDb is an abbreviation of the Internet Movie Database. And this is an online database of information related to films and television series. 
and all the users, all the registered users, can cast a vote or a score from 1 to 10 for every film and television series that is released. So these are people who are really interested in the movies, have good knowledge, have good critical skills, and they are giving each of these movies and TV series a rating out of 10. And then you're, you end up with one number, which is the average of all of these ratings. And they publish that on the title page of the explanation of the movie. So what we do in our family, if we're considering watching a movie, investing our time, investing our evening in a particular movie, we will go onto the IMDB database and we will click on a link to the specific movie and would have a look at what the score out of 10 is. And our general policy is if the score is above 7 out of 10, then that's a good indicator that the film is worth watching. If it's less than 7 out of 10, we might have second thoughts and we'll probably only watch the film if it's highly recommended by a friend. So there you go. Discover the IMDB database. If you're particularly interested in movies and televisions, it's an amazing resource with lots of background information, critical reviews, famous lines from movies, names of all the actors. It's all the information you could possibly want. But the key data point for us as a family is what is the score? And in the case of the two recommendations I've made, Homeland has a score of 8.3, which means extremely good. And The Silence of the Lambs has a score of 8.6 out of 10, which is excellent. So a TV series and a film very much worth watching. Okay, let's move on to some more vocabulary. Here we go. Listen to this again. If I am successful in my defection, three generations of my family, including my 75-year-old grandmother, will be forced into hard labor. The three-generation rule. This apparently exists in North Korea. So the law specifies three generations of punishment for certain crimes. So if you commit a crime, not only you are punished, but also your children and your grandchildren, they also receive punishment and they also go to the prison with you or they go to the labor camp with you. Now, according to the definition of the three-generation rule that I found as I was doing my research for this podcast, the three generations could be upwards or downwards. Okay, so it could be your parents and your grandparents. They also get punished. Or it could be your children and your grandchildren. But either way, it's an incredibly strong disincentive to commit a crime. And it's also an extremely strong incentive for the family to control their relatives who may be thinking or contemplating or considering committing a crime. Okay, let's go back to Kim's plan. Listen to this again. On the 10th of February, I will commit suicide. I will throw myself off the Taedong Bridge like so many of our hopeless comrades have done in the past. To commit suicide. Right, what you need to remember in English is suicide can be a noun or an adjective. 
but it cannot be used as a verb. So we could talk about the suicide of Marilyn Monroe. Her suicide is still a cause of discussion and disagreement. So here we are using the word as a noun. We could also say that the attack on the train was carried out by a suicide bomber. So here we are using suicide as an adjective. What we can't say is the following. We can't say, Kim wants to make the authorities believe he's suicided. We can't use suicide as a verb. What we must say is, Kim wants to make the authorities believe that he has committed suicide. Okay? So that's the unusual thing about this particular word. You can use it as a noun, as an adjective, but you cannot use it as a verb. So when you want to express it as a verb, you talk about committing suicide. Okay, let's enrich your use of adjectives. Listen to this sentence again. I need to turn myself into a different person, depressed, paranoid and unstable. Right, let's go through these adjectives one by one. Depressed. It means very unhappy, chronically unhappy, and feeling there's no hope for you in this world. Paranoid. Okay, this means that you feel extremely nervous and worried, and you think that other people don't like you or they're trying to harm you. That's paranoid. Unstable. Well, generally, unstable means not solid and therefore not strong or safe. But when you use it to refer to a person, it means that they are suffering from sudden and extreme changes in mental and emotional state. Okay, so Kim wants to appear depressed, paranoid, unstable to justify his apparent suicide. Okay, here are some more advanced adjectives. Listen carefully. You will see your best friend degenerate from an outgoing and radiant optimist to an introverted and desperate pessimist. Outgoing. That means friendly, sociable, energetic, finding it easy and enjoyable to be with others. Outgoing. Next, we have the word radiant. Well, radiant literally means you're producing heat or light. And when you use it to describe a person, it means they're very happy or very beautiful. And they're exuding, they're radiating this happiness and this beauty. Okay, then we have the adjective optimistic. Okay, be very, very careful with this. Optimistic is the adjective an optimist is the noun. And people often get these two things confused. Optimistic means you're, that you hope and believe that good things will happen to you in the future. And this is the, uh, the nature of Kim. He's outgoing, he's radiant, and he's optimistic. But what he wants to do is he wants to change everybody's perception of his character to justify his apparent suicide. So here's the next adjective, introverted. Well, if we talk about introverted in a non-psychological or scientific sense, 
then we just mean that somebody is shy, they're quiet, and they prefer spending time by themselves rather than with other people. And then we also have the adjective pessimistic. Okay, once again, remember, pessimistic is the adjective, pessimist is the noun. So it's simply the antonym of optimistic, right? Pessimistic means that you think bad things are more likely to happen to you or you emphasize the bad thing or bad part of every situation. Right, let's move on from adjectives to phrasal verbs. We have one very significant and interesting phrasal verb for you. Here it is. He could tip off the authorities and sentence Kim to a lifetime in prison. To tip off. To tip off is to give someone a warning or to give them secret information about something. It's a very specific verb. Now, you might tip off the police that there is a drug dealer living next door to you. Or you might tip off the compliance department that one of your clients is laundering money. Do you remember that phrase from last week? To launder money. So you're going to tip off your company that you have a client that's laundering money. In the case of Park J. Bong, if he tips off the authorities, if he gives them a warning, if he gives them this secret information that something illegal is happening, then what's going to happen to Kim? Well, Kim and probably three generations of his family are going to go to prison. But what's going to happen to Park if he doesn't tip off the authorities? Well, then he becomes an accomplice to this crime and he risks going to prison himself. What a dilemma. How will he handle it? We will find out in the upcoming episodes. Okay, finally, let's go back to the last sentence of the episode. Here it is. That's the life that I want. That's the life that I deserve. And that's the life that I am going to get, no matter what. Do you feel the emotion of Kim's words? Do you think that final sentence has impact? Well, he is using a couple of rhetorical devices to make his words more emotional and more impactful. The first rhetorical device is conscious repetition of a phrase. Technically, it's called anaphora. He says, that's a life, that's a life, that's a life. He repeats this phrase. And when you do this in a speech or an argument, it encourages your audience to really remember the point that you are making. It's like a mantra. It gets into their minds and they don't forget it. Now, the most famous examples of this rhetorical device in public speaking include Martin Luther King's I have a dream speech. He repeated that sentence, I have a dream, multiple times. Winston Churchill's wartime speech, we will fight them. When he's referring to the potential Nazi in 
when he's referring to the potential German invasion of the United Kingdom. We will fight them, we will fight them, we will fight them. And he talks about different places. And in other languages, in Spanish, for example, Adolfo Suarez, he had a famous line, Puedo prometer y prometo. I can promise and I promise. And he said this multiple times in a very famous speech as Spain transitioned from dictatorship to democracy. So the repetition of an important phrase is a powerful rhetorical device and it makes your words memorable. The second rhetorical device that uh, Kim is using here is the rule of three. He says this expression three times. Now, if you have a list of things to say, make sure the list is three items long. Because for some magical reason, that just sounds great. Two is not enough. Four is too many. Three is just perfect when you're making a speech or a sales pitch. You'll see it in company logos, you'll see it in literature, you'll see it in poetry. It just sounds good when you have a list of three. Here are a few examples. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. The three musketeers, the three amigos, etc., etc. You will see the rule of three all around you. And on that rhetorical note, we come to the end of today's session. Remember, if you want to learn English in a more structured format, you can join Club Grattan for live and interactive classes with me. Just search Club Grattan in Google and you will find us. And we hope that you can join us for the next episode of The Adventures of Lola Badiola. In the meantime, keep practicing English and make sure that you have the life you want. Make sure you have the life you deserve. Make sure you live the life that is happy and fulfilling.